0: the children uh, may be dismissed at this time <clears throat> well if you're visiting today i'm not the regular pastor and i'm here uh, to fill in for our pastor who's uh, having uh, holidays with family and it's a joy for me to uh, have this privilege today and uh, i i think about how god has grown me over the past year and and I just praise God for being part of a church family. And I just feel uh, most uh, most of you I know well, and I'd like to get to know uh, all of you better in the new year, but it's, uh, it's easier to be stretched and grown as you walk with the Lord when you're in a church family. And uh, you guys have been so supportive and encouraging, and I just appreciate that. Um, so before I start and open with prayer for the message, I want to talk a little bit, if you pull out your bulletin, you can see kind of the three main points, and so we're going to be talking about Jesus' authority in teaching, and then Jesus' authority and power over Satan and his minions, and then the crowd's amazement at Jesus' authority and power. And so, um, as I was preparing for this message, uh, I thought about having you raise your hands if you love authority. And uh, I don't see any <laughs> hands raised because usually we kind of buck that, you know. It's not something that uh, we're very, we very we embrace very easily. And so um, I had to think about that this week. And my wife will testify that authority working, you know, with the government, uh, sometimes for me when we built our building and things, I remember there was one permit. They called it a land disturbance permit. And I thought to myself, well, I'd never been concerned about that before, you know, <laughs> disturbing the land. And but I think uh, when we talk about Jesus' authority in teaching, is our first point. Um, it really means this is the Word of God, and Jesus' authority are synonymous. So when we think of Jesus' authority, think about God's Word, and. Where it gets challenging is in all the areas, you know, for children obeying your parents. I was thinking in marriage, you know, being submissive to each other. Um, that's really where uh, we can uh, benefit and grow as Christians if we indeed apply God's word. And Jesse did such an awesome job, and just with the songs that I think it 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 helps during the week when I was studying this. To me, when you sing, uh, I exalt thee, um, I just want to kind of get down on my knees, and in a sense, in my heart, I'm getting on my knees, and that's helpful when you think about God's authority, because He knows what's best for us, right? And so, um, but I just want to briefly talk about the creation account, because we know that God made everything out of nothing, and it's rightfully His and i think boy we we forget this so often as uh and and i i'm convict feel convicted of this because oftentimes um I, it's about all about me sometimes i I'm, I'm convicted uh, you know just to think that my my i'm just thinking about how everything affects me not thinking about god's glory and worshiping him and so when you think that god made everything and the account was is beautifully and God said, and God said, we read over and over, and then let there be, let there be, and there was. And so we see that, how God spectacularly created everything out of nothing. And then after each day, we read it was very good, or it was good. And then in conclusion, uh, he he says everything, and behold, everything was very good. And then we know the fall comes in Genesis 3, and, um, and so... And I was struck by in, in Genesis 3:1, um, the devil says to uh, Eve, "Did God actually say?" You see, there's the first questioning of authority right there. Right? Start to did God actually say is the what uh, the devil says. And so um, we see the fall of man, and Christ uh, comes uh, in human flesh, and then He goes to the cross and He dies. Um, and then we have what we call a recreation where God is making us new as we are born again. And indeed, there's a glorious recreation coming will be in, in, in the future that will be spectacular. But I just wanted to lead with that because uh, authority all comes from God and from Jesus. And so it, it comes down from us from there. And we know from Scripture that all authority, um, even the government and everything, has been given by God. So that's a good context to have. But let's open now with prayer, and uh, we'll ask God to bless His uh, words today. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank You for Your Word. Where would we be without Your Word? Lord, we would literally be lost, and so I just thank You that Your Word is is uh, written down for us uh, for our benefit and for our instruction, but even more uh, for us to give glory to you. Lord, help us to um, think about that uh, just regularly, uh, every day in our lives, every hour, that uh, we should be giving glory, your name for your greatness. Help us now, Lord, as we take these uh, words and apply it uh, to our lives and to look at these, what you have for us in these words. I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, I'm going to try to use the clicker today, and hopefully I'll be successful. Um, I haven't done it that way before, and so everything's a little bit of a challenge for a a newbie like me. And so... um, I just uh, would like to say, um, well, let's go ahead and we'll start by reading the first two verses. And the first two verses, if you want to open your Bibles, I'm going to have all the scripture on the overhead, but if you want to open your Bibles, uh, feel free. It's Luke 4, 31 through 32. And I was just going to share that a pastor just said, well, these are the next verses. And if you're visiting today, we believe that. All the words of Scripture are important in every verse. And so we're going through the book of Luke. So this is what is next. And so I'm always um, thankful in when pastor says this is the Scripture because I just feel the Lord will enable me to take what he has in front of me. And, the, and it's not by accident. And so even though it's challenging to uh, preach, I just feel, trust the Lord that this is what he wants for, for me to preach and for you to hear today. So let's uh, read here. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And so the word astonished, some versions uh, of the Bible would say um, he they were amazed, or they were shocked, um, or, or even one uh, commentary said... Uh, They were thunderstruck in their soul. So this teaching was so different than what they had been used to. And the way that they were taught before was um, the teachers bragged that they they never taught anything that they hadn't heard from their teachers. And so there was a lot of quotation marks. And that's the style that was used in that day. But Jesus, uh, when he taught, was different. And you might recall other parts of Scripture where... Jesus would say, um, you have heard it said, but I say to you. And then he goes on and explains. And so he builds out a lot of the scripture. And so that was uh, different from what they were used to. And uh, so Jesus preached God's word, not just about God's word. His preaching was clear and simple. Jesus' preaching was not only clear, but convicting because he was full of the Holy Spirit. And there's a, a quotation, uh, Amy Carmichael, a great missionary, said, If you have never been hurt by a word from God, it is probable that you have never heard God speak. And um, what an amazing statement. And this kind of gets back to what we started out with, is that sometimes uh, Scripture we know is talked about is like a sword like a double-edged sword. And so sometimes when we hear God's word, it's convicting, and so it cuts. But it's for our benefit to be cut. It's a strange thing to say, but that's the reality of this Christian journey that we're on. And so uh, we we should invite that, and um, and we ought to pray for such divine hurt in our lives. And as I stated earlier, um, it's, it's because... Of, of, of it's for our good right for the Lord uh, has given us his word for our good and for his glory and and the Bible is often referred to as the bread of life and so we should not miss this very important point Jesus staked everything on the authority of the written word he defeated Satan and his temptations in the desert by quoting God's word and in his ministry at large the word became his mainstay If the church today is to have any authority, it must teach on the authority of God's holy word. And I have a text here uh, from 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2. And it says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And what I was struck by this verse uh, when he starts out by saying, I charge you, now this is the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle, telling Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. You you would think that would be enough in a sense to kind of make him uh, get his attention, right? But he goes on to say, who is the judge of the living and the dead? It's like um, he's putting more emphasis on on how on the greatness of our God, and uh, and by his appearing and his kingdom, and so we see the emphasis. And then I just noted because um, it's hard for us to be reproved, rebuked, and exhorted, right? But look at what it says with complete patience and teaching. And I think this is. Also for parents with children and and things um, that when we do these things uh, and help each other in a a church like this, we always need to keep that in mind. We need to have patience and be careful to teach what God's word says. And that should give us uh, just a good context for how um, God's authority in his word is used even among us in, in the church. And so my next point here is uh, the next uh, verses. And this is um, quite an amazing uh, exchange between, uh, I wouldn't say the devil, but one of his co-workers or minions uh, with uh, Jesus. And let's read this together, and then uh, I'll share more about it. And in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And what a dramatic thing. it was in the synagogue. It was just amazing. You know I thought about, you know it's one thing if it's in a back alley, kind of a devil worship thing going on or some kind of ceremony, but this happens in the synagogue, which in itself is striking. And there's a, I have an explanation that I think really brings out these uh, questions and did such a beautiful job of answering what these kind of interactions going on. Is, is all about so I'd like to read this and you can follow along the hushed silence of the synagogue as the listeners sat motionless listening to Jesus was shattered by the possessed man's shrieks ha what have you to do with us Jesus of Nazareth ha expresses displeasure and the question what have you to do with us literally means what do we have in common It is a rhetorical question, meaning, don't meddle with me or leave me alone. The evil spirit wanted Jesus to go away. The next phrase, also stated as a question, have you come to destroy us, is really a shout of defiance. You have come to destroy us. It was an instinctive cry of dread. The demon knew Jesus would destroy or eternally condemn him someday, perhaps today. Then came the final dramatic cry, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The demon was not trying to ingratiate itself with Christ, but was frantically attempting to bring the Lord under his power. It was widely believed at that time that the exact knowledge of the other's name brought mastery or control over him. This was a desperate, ill-formed attempt to subdue Christ. So that kind of helps explain that exchange. But as I was studying this, um, I have a text here. um, It says, we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And it struck me as I was studying this, I guess I thought in my mind that there were devil worshipers, there were those who were Christians, and there was a big group of people in between, but... I think the reality is, not everybody is possessed by a demon, but uh, those who are not following the Lord, or who are Christians, um, are living according to Satan's evil world system, I would say. And so, the danger for people, and I think most people in the world would say, hey, I'm, I'm just doing my own thing, I'm living my own life, I, I'm basically calling the shots for my own life. They wouldn't acknowledge their, but that's, I think, Satan's lie, is that you're not accountable. This is what Satan would say to, I think, the average person. Um, you're not accountable to God. Uh, you can do your own thing. And the reality is, is uh, we are all accountable to God, and there is a, an end to our life, and everybody knows that. And so this really struck me that um, this is the condition of the world, that uh, the world lies in the power of the evil one. And so um, I have a, a quote here. Um, this is from C.S. Lewis and uh, regarding this subject about Jesus' authority over demons. Uh, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils, wrote C.S. Lewis. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Our postmodern, post-Christian culture leans toward the latter error. A veritable flood of books and movies have introduced fantasy worlds of wizards, spirits, and alien beings. And I was thinking, um, I have a friend from Ethiopia who would tell me stories about how the devil was working just openly out in, in Ethiopia. And this man is a Christian. And sometimes through witch doctors and, and other times just just plainly working. And I think in our culture, in America, it is different um, we do have uh, the challenge, I think, of, of a lot of books and movies uh, that de- uh, go into that realm of, of, of the devil and evil spirits, and so when he says in this quote, um, you know, this uh, what you know, what is it to have? So the question to me was, what is it to have, as he says, an excessive and unhealthy interest in demons? So um I've I've heard of Ouija boards. I've never seen one, but I think there's one example. Um, I've heard that these pieces will move around on a board supernaturally. Um, that's scary to me. Um, so I would say there's something that definitely we wouldn't want to touch or be get near. but um, and then I remembered uh, when my kids were small, the Harry Potter series came out and, I remember some Christian parents said, no, I'm not going to let my kids read that because they felt that was was wrong. And I have never read it, so I'm not going to tell you which, you know, each person needs to make that decision for themselves. But I would say that uh, it's good for us to think about these things for our children. Um, It's good to think about these things for ourselves if we're watching a movie. And it goes into... uh, an area where you feel that it's delving into uh, Satan and evil spirits and and you're uncomfortable, Um, I I think it's best to shut it off. But each person will have to make that decision for themselves. And sometimes it's helpful to talk to somebody else, um, your spouse or another believer, because sometimes it's easier to sort things out with somebody else's counsel, the pastor. And... I ask myself this question. Um, um, does a book or movie help me in my walk with the Lord or does it hinder me in my walk with the Lord? And I, I find that's kind of a simple way to, to look at some things if there is uh, a benefit in my walk with the Lord or if it's actually hindering my walk. And so that's kind of where I would leave that um, with you. To consider and um, to be uh, uh, cautious, I would say, in in what you take in. And I have uh, three kind of main points and I want to, uh, well, I wanted to share this scripture which also deals with this subject first. And uh, this is out of Luke 10, 17 through 20. Now, pastor will eventually, we keep moving verse by verse, we'll get to this and perhaps he will tell us more. But I just read this as, a, as just, a, it, it helped me to uh, just get a sense of what should our attitude be toward uh, uh, the devil and his uh, co-workers. So it says, the 72, and this is talking about disciples, they were followers of Jesus, They returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, when I read that, I tell you, it it grabbed my attention, right? Can you imagine the dramatic moment that was when Satan, uh, when Jesus saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven? And then he says, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so we see that, and even today when I was thinking about this message, I thought, this message is not going to be about the devil and evil spirit. This message is going to be about Jesus, okay? And so even this quote, I think, is helpful to say our focus is about Jesus. And so um, I'd like to uh, share three texts um, that have this idea that only Jesus can deliver sinners from the power of the devil. We had that verse earlier that the world is under um, the power of Satan. And so I think these texts will help us to see that's based on God's word. And we read, Since therefore the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong sa- slavery. And here's another text um, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And I think it's important to say when we say practice, to make a distinction, because we as Christians are not perfect, as we all know, and so we still sin. But this word practice has a different idea and So for the Christian, we still we struggle against sin, but this verse would refer to uh, in other places in the Bible it says, "If I had cherished sin in my heart, okay, so if I have a sin that I I won't let go of, okay, maybe Glenn comes to me and says, John, I see something in your life that's not right. It's not according to God's word, and if I refuse to let go of it, that's a sign that I'm cherishing sin." Or that I'm in in this practice of sinning that is uh, of the devil. And so I just would say um, with that, another way to look at it is, uh, as Christians, we ought to be uh, making war against sin is another way to think of it. So that's a distinction that's important as Christians. We're not perfect, but we ought to be fighting sin, literally fighting sin. I have, uh, I think, one more verse here. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So that first part, um, being a slave to sin, I can relate to that in my own life. And uh, the amazing thing about slavery to sin is, look back at a period of my life where um, I didn't have the desire to even stop sinning. And so um, I wasn't fighting it. I, I enjoyed it, and I had no intention. So my slavery was such that I wouldn't even call myself a slave. I was doing what John wanted to do. And I think that's the hideousness of slavery, is you're, you're doing something, and as we know from Scripture, that's leading you on the path to destruction, the wide path to hell, and and yet you're kind of content and happy to do it unless God intervenes. And and so in my own life, uh, eventually things got bad enough. Where things, in a sense, were falling apart in my life to where I became uh, desperate, where I was looking for help. And things weren't working out, you might say, in uh, in a very real way, and so, um, and be, and by God's grace, I, I'm thankful. I was raised as, in a Christian home, and and God opened my eyes to see that my, uh, my all my trouble was because of John running John's life, so to speak, and doing what he wanted, and that the, the another the hideous thing about sin is that, and in. my life is a testimony of this it starts out small it starts out with with a thought and then you cherish that thought or you just dwell on that thought and you love that thought and it becomes it morphs into an action and as it becomes more and more of an action you just get deeper and deeper and and you're in a pit and so the beautiful part about the last part of that text is that if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed, and so I think sometimes as Christians we tend to be judgmental. We look at the world out there, we read our paper and so and so you know uh beat his wife and got in trouble some sports guy or whatever, and we shake our heads and point our fingers at that person but but we we really for for that person who is a slave to sin, they're accountable to the Lord, but we it's our job to look at our own lives and our own sin. And I think it's, um, it's not surprising to me that people are having trouble out there, you might say, because there is a, a, a power that Satan has for those who are living the world system. And so it's, it's, uh, it's, it shouldn't surprise us when we read that. But as Christians, we know that through Jesus, the work of Jesus on the cross, that he can set us free. And the beauty of when we are free, then we can really literally fight sin, like in my own life, addiction, those kind of things. We have, a, 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 in a sense, a fighting chance. And sometimes, uh, for me, it didn't happen like immediately and overnight. It's sometimes it takes a journey of fighting but but we can have victory over uh, different addictions and sin. And so that's um, that's the message that we want to carry out to the world. And uh, my next point um, is, I have a verse here in Galatians 2.20. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul speaking. And this is um, my main point here um, is that... Uh, Jesus' uh, authority and power over Satan and his minions, um, this point has to do with Christ living in us versus being possessed by a demon. And because sometimes Christians fear this, we we, we go to the scripture because Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So if you have Jesus living in your life, you never have to fear Jesus of being possessed by a demon. And Scripture is clear that um, Jesus living in you not allow any room for an evil spirit to live in you. Okay, So there should be comfort in that. And I think that's another uh, beautiful thing about this text is that we have that comfort uh, as Paul did, that Christ lives in us, right? And so we, we don't have to fear that. But uh, with that, I, I would like to just uh, have a word of caution about, you know, there was a comedian many years ago, he said the devil made me do it, okay, and I think that as Christians, uh, we're always, of course, trying to blame somebody else, that started out, right, with, with Adam and Eve, and, and so if we, if we live like that and we always blame the devil for things that we do, we're not taking accountability for it ourselves and so it's it's um, the way we need to look at that is that we have a sinful nature right sometimes in the bible it's called the old man right and so even though we become Christians we still struggle against that and I don't doubt that the devil may be involved in 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 a weakness that you have for example I have a weakness uh, with alcohol so I don't touch a drop because I don't know if I start where I'll end up with. And so I think, you know, the devil could, if I started, I think he would he would perhaps be involved in, in making me go clean to the bottom. And so I think that, but just be aware of that, um, that even though the devil has some power, we know f- clearly from Scripture that only uh, the devil only has as much power as God will give him. And we know this even from Job, clearly, that uh, God said to the devil, um, he could do a number of things, but do not touch a hair on his head, okay? So we see that God is in complete control, and that should give us tremendous comfort as Christians that anything that were to happen, uh, that God would uh, be there to to be our strength and, and to limit whatever he would allow And so, uh, moving on here, um, this is uh, the second to the last verse in our text today. And uh, this is my last point uh, about the crowd's amazement at Jesus' authority and power. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power, He commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And... Trying to find my place here in my notes. Um, so I didn't read this earlier, but I'll read this. Jesus' triumph uh, over demons was a clear indication that God's kingdom was breaking into the present age in a new and decisive way, driving back demonic forces and setting people free to serve God. Today, the victory and authority of Christ are even more established. For Satan was defeated at the cross. And before I get to that last point about the crowd's amazement, I wanted to really bring this point home. Um, This this, um, text shows Jesus' power and that He is truly God and He has power over Satan. And so this is a very important text. And and the cross is the, I would say, um, the very um, pivotal point in history because everything before the cross points to the cross in the Old Testament. And so everything since the cross points back to Jesus and the cross. And so that was really the clearest uh, defeat of Satan, right? With If that cross had never happened in history, we would truly be lost. And so it's an important part that I almost... Um, because I'm not following my notes line by line, I almost went past that. But now I have to talk about the crowd's amazement of Jesus' authority and power. And uh, so, um, this is... Uh, um, we talked a little bit about this in the first verse. It talked about that they were astonished, right? They were amazed. But um, what they had witnessed was unprecedented. On another occasion, a crowd that saw Jesus cast out a demon exclaimed, Nothing like this has ever been done in Israel. That's in Matthew 9.33. This demonstration of Jesus' power over Satan and the demons reveals his ability to deliver sinners from their grasp. Though the forces of hell made an all-out assault on him during his earthly ministry, Christ effortlessly defeated them. And by his sacrificial death on the cross, he accomplished the redemption of his people, delivering them forever from the kingdom of darkness. And then uh, this is my last uh, point um, of the message. And, and we've already had some application, as we talked earlier about you know, what we take in, what we read, what we watch for movies. But I just want to land this... Um, um, because this reads, and reports about him went out into every place and in the surrounding region, and it struck me that a report went out today uh, right now. I just reported right this what took place, and so indeed, uh, the reports are still going out, and at that time uh, people were it was uh, people were uh, learning in the surrounding region but but so when we hear a report like this. Um, we're always uh, asked to respond, right? My dad told me in, in, a, in a very loving, beautiful way one time that God was calling, and he said, what is your answer, okay? And so I think when we, we read Scripture and stuff, we, we need to look at and think about, well, what is our response? And so perhaps we always need to um, go to the cross if there's anybody here who hasn't made that step in their life um, to um, Go to the cross, as we say. I like to quote 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's a promise for someone who, if you haven't made that step in your life, this is your opportunity today. And Scripture is so clear that if you hear His voice, it says... It describes it as a voice. And I I think that sometimes that might be like a tug on your heart. If if you haven't made that step in your life and you feel that tug, then I would just say to respond to them while the opportunity is there. And Scripture is clear. There's an urgency. Don't wait. So I wanted to point that out. And then for those of us who are Christians, um, Peter had a, a most amazing response in the Bible. He said uh, to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And Christ means Messiah or anointed one, right? Because they were looking, always looking in the Old Testament, right? For the Messiah to come, right? So Peter got it. And so for us as Christians, man, we should, that should be our uh, statement too, right? Even though we've said it a million times, we need to keep saying it. You are the Christ, right? The son of the living God. What a distinction that he made, right? All other gods are false and dead, but this is the living God. And so um, I'd like to uh, just make my last point and close with this. And I was thinking as we're going into the new year, um, this is the last time I'll probably see most of you this year. And so I thought about this text and this we call this the Great Commission. And Jesus came and said to them, and this is right what we just had in our text, uh, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Rightfully so, right? And he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Beautiful comfort, even as we talked about evil spirits, he promises to be with us, right? Even to the end of the age. So if that's past however long we live, you know, or if he returns or whatever, we have that confidence. And then we see in in this text uh, that we are to be involved in teaching, right? Teaching others. And so... Uh, think about how we can encourage each other in the church in teaching, um, sometimes exhorting, rebuking. and But remember, uh, being gracious, right, with patience. And then uh, share the gospel, right? We have to go from this place today, and we need to carry the message, right, about Jesus. And so I think that's a good way to uh, end the, the old year and just think about... Um, God, help me carry that message, that beautiful message that the captive, the prisoner can be set free, right? We read that the people in the world don't realize it, but in, they're in fact a prisoners uh, of, of the devil because they're living his, according to his world system, right? And so we can, with God working through us, we can actually see people set free and uh only by God's grace I've seen it God's used me and it's an amazing thing there's nothing more spectacular that you will experience if God uses you even if it's just in a small way to set a prisoner free and so think about that as you leave this place let's bow our heads in prayer our heavenly father you are great and glorious even as we sang earlier, I exalt thee, I exalt thee. Lord, you are so worthy of praise. You created everything, and including you created us, Lord. And uh, it is right for us to bow down to worship and to humbly acknowledge that you are so great and above us that we, our minds can't even wrap around how great you are. Lord, I pray with this last song that we would enter in and worship you. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.